This is Gutterball. The Lebowski Deepcast. Like, oh, it's a heist movie. No, it's a stoner movie. In each episode, Brad and Adam discuss a single minute of The Big Lebowski. They were teasing this movie in a way that made it seem like a heist. Providing insight. His dance is just excellent. So graceful. Commentary. They shot it all on a green screen. You can't do a pickup. And conjecture. He has found himself in a world turned upside down. And now, Gutterball. It's satisfying when you get that, like, right in sync, which I feel like we were hundredths of a second off, you know, instead of tenths. It's very, it's very close. It was sharp. It's tight. It's tight, Brad. It's tight. Tight. And we're here. I didn't think we'd make it. Why not? I don't know. There's Just tell the honest truth. Why didn't you think? Well. It's 2015. The year of consistency. The year of consistency. <laughs> the, and, you know, we, we survived that New Year's. That was good. You had some malfunctions with a stove, apparently. No, see, that's the thing about the stove. It's not a malfunction. I was just venting. It's, it had it's simply nothing a to design do. flaw. Yes. And the problem is now, what year is this? Uh... 2015 now so the problem is like almost seven years later there's a tiny little thing that i have to do that i just need to figure out and and do it and for seven years almost i have not done that and every time i cook a meal which is almost every day i notice this thing that just like gets inside and kills me it'd be like having a giant like the paint or the wallpaper peeling off your ceiling if you're the kind of freak show that puts wallpaper on your ceiling but like stuff like hanging down like flaps of dead skin or paper mache like hanging down a foot or two feet right above your face when you're sleeping at night in your bedroom and you're saying this is in your stove now it's not quite that bad but it's just something you you wake up you see it it's like something that gets you every day. Right. And it could be easy to fix. It might be. I'm not sure. I have... I but have. after a little while, you just get used to the flaps of skin in your face. Right, right. And, and that's how... It's easier to go, go, go on your day with them there. Right, but that's how... Because you know if you it all goes to shit off, that way. they're just going to be back in a couple days. Why bother? You peel them off, but then you fix them. You take measures, like getting the liquid nitrogen torch right. on my weird ass. Fr- you just, right. you don't just like put some you makeup need to use over a them. Melon baller on the fleshy parts of your ceiling or your stove, whatever the case may be. As the case may be, but it's not anything that's. It's like it's not. It's just the front of it is is lower than the back. It's just not quite level. So when I put a pan on the grate, mm-hmm. let's put a little, you know, two turns of olive oil in there. And guess what? It's just enough that it all just pools down in the front. Do you have any idea how crazy making that is every time I cook? That's and yet, eight making. years later, man. No, sorry. Six. Six. That's almost seven. I cook everything in the microwave. You know? It's easier to level a microwave than it is a stove. You son of a bitch, we made grilled roast beef cheddar melts. Remember CC Peppers used to make them? 
You ever have one I of those? I do. I think yeah. I do. It's nice when they're fresh, you know? The bun's a little toasty, the inside's all cheesy and gooey and soft, and they kind of work their magic together on the fringes, but you eat it before the bread can, like, totally disintegrate and be, like, a pile of Elmer's glue in your hand, because that's disgusting. Mm-hmm. But now... Oh, know. come on. A, a pile, like, you know, Jeff Goldblum Elmer's from the... Glue. But yeah, but more like Jeff Goldblum in The Fly, where he vomits on the donuts, and it turns into a soupy mess. Yeah, okay. And then eats it in front. It's more like that. They get real nasty. It's a matter of perception, right? (laughs) One man's... Well, tell that to the... Moist, greasy bread is, you know, moist, greasy bread is when one man's Elmer glue, and it's another man's fly donut vomit. Tell that to Gina Davis. I dare you. See what she has to say about it. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. I had my grilled roast beef cheddar melt, but it was in the refrigerator. We had a leftover one. Wrapped it in some plastic wrap, put it in the fridge. That's not something you're ever going to eat. It's going to be disgusting, right? I might still eat it, but it's going to be disgusting. Well, it's a good thing. I might like just go eat it cold. Well, here's the thing. I went to to work, I I just, no, 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 I went to work, I had it there, I'm terrified of it, it's in the refrigerator, in the, you know, the little coffee room, I'm terrified of this thing, because I know that's my lunch, I have committed to this thing now, I'm gonna eat that for lunch, it's in there, I go to lunch, and your words, Brad, your words ring out, I've discovered the lower power settings on the microwave. And, and, I, and I make pizza in there sometimes. And Brad, I'm going to admit that you did not convince me that day. I wrote you off as an insane person. There's no way you can even just, because it's just the pulsing, it doesn't actually do it, whatever. I just knew there was no way you could put a bread product in the microwave, whether cooking or reheating, and like have it turn out okay. That was never going to happen. That's just humoring you. But I put that fucking grilled roast beef cheddar melt in there on 20% power for six minutes. And goddammit, if that thing didn't come out of there after six minutes, I was so ready to judge you and tell you how wrong you were. The outside of the bread was crispy. The inside was steamy and cheesy and perfect. And it was as if it had just come off the griddle. Kudos to you, sir. Nice. What can I say? I mean... 15 years. I've never used an oven. I know my way around a microwave. It's not like I haven't played around with those power settings, but I had no idea the versatility that was lying just underneath the surface. So thank you. There we go. So there we go. It's a revisit. Long-term revisit. Yeah. Well, it's... Well, you know, I feel really happy I was able to introduce you to this wider world now. I mean, you can, anything that can be steamed can obviously be cooked in the microwave, but I, I just didn't, you can fry in the microwave, Brad, you can fry and it takes very little oil and I don't know. There's almost no limits. You've opened me up. So thank you. I really appreciate it. And I even put a link here and we should put this there, but it's, um, I don't know, talking about microwave settings, but what I will say is I'm pretty sure that I'm correct about how the microwave actually functions as far yes. as lower power settings. 
and it depends on the wattage of the microwave, and it just does pulses. Full on, full off. Timed out pulses to get it to... Right. Don't yeah, ask no, me about the measurement that, piece. I did but... do some research after our conversation, and it yeah. seemed you're correct. But yet, somehow it makes a difference, though. Oh, it does. It does. Um, yeah. That's why I was so skeptical. Like, there's no way. It's just like zapping it full strength and then not. That can't work. It does. There's something about a sustained full strength burst that ultimately just <sighs> turns your bread into Elmer's glue. And that would also, be a great solution to the Elmer's glue shortage we're going through. Is there a Has shortage? Has anyone told President Obama about this? I'm going to write him a letter. Dried or moist? Because I uh, have a the, feeling... The glue? <laughs> <laughs> or the president? Or the letter? I think you can take your pick. I just want to know if anybody's actually making scabby Elmer's glue discs anymore. You mean like kind of like you put on your finger, you peel it off. It's like no, your fingerprint is there. No, that's more. That's more like skin. Okay, I'm talking about scabs that you do in your desk, like thick. Add some paprika. Not totally thick, but maybe it's a little. You know, it's al dente, probably. So it's got a little tooth feel. It's got a little bite to it, but then it's kind of a little soft and not quite cooked in the middle. You, know, you get the nice ones. It's it's transparent on the edges, but it gets a little translucent and opaque in the middle. Not and totally how white. Produce, how do you produce these exactly? Well, you have little trays in your desk where you keep your pencils. Oh, okay. And then you can dispense the glue into the corner of the tray and let it sort of spread. But, you know, it doesn't just go all over a flat surface it's a contained little it's like a canyon gotcha a, a glue canyon so this is the all right i've never done that or have heard of that but that's how you know what it takes to that, keep yourself occupied that was the glue technology school. that we developed at the time it was the right glue technology for its time and for place. its time and place not exactly a hero just because what's a hero well, what, what's a hero, what's a hero? Are you sending me these things, or is this from a long time ago? Sending you what thing? I'm not, I don't think I'm sending you nothing, no. Through the nothing. your weird face voice software that I see. My weird face voice software? Yeah. A picture no. of you from, like, probably 12 years ago or something. I'm totally... I have no idea what it is you're talking about. The face voice software, Skype. Right, Skype. I see yeah, your no, face, I you hear anything. your voice, it's a piece of software. Right, gotcha. I thought I was sending you... Well, there are some links here, but that's why I was asking. That's probably from a long time ago. It was they, probably from... Because sometimes we're discussing things, and I'll send you a link, hmm. and I realize you never actually see them. Until now. So that, enjoy the links from the last three years that I've sent you. Okay. Now that you've discovered them. All right. I'm going to take a look at those at some point. Should let them let them age a little longer. <laughs> All right, I'll let them fester. Fester, it's a good word. What do we got? I mean, <laughs> I have we haven't even revisited yet. Really, I have some revisits here. There are some revisits. We can get we go into the revisits. I mean, the microwave is kind of a revisit. I'll count that. All right, we can put that in there. That's true. But, uh, That's true. You know, 
Yeah, there are some things that we are pretty egregious. That, let, let, can we lead with the egregiousness, please? Sure. Well, I think they're both kind of egregious. Yeah, but I guess one is like super, super, super egregious. Super, that, Even though even on though? this very podcast, uh, we don't. had a member of the National Film Board. The group that decides what films go on the National Film Registry. Every time I think I'm learning something about putting together a show, I just... Something like this happens. It's like, no, you suck. You gotta be able to... You just gotta be better than that, Brad. Because we knew we were aware of this. Right. The last time we talked about it, well, we tweeted about it. We even got uh, some tweets from some fans about it. And you don't even mention it. And then we 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 are so excited. We are so excited watching uh, Walter <sighs> smash that car and brace that teenager. Because I think we're actually two episodes behind in mentioning this. That the Big Lebowski has, in fact, been entered into the National Film Registry. Our long national nightmare is over. <laughs> we finally entered the age of Aquarius. Yes, it's 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 considered. Uh, it's the step that we needed to take as a species, I think, mm-hmm. to continue. Otherwise, we'd continue our descent, our spiral down into madness and suffering. And I get it. Like, you don't want to have any one director or set of directors represented too heavily because there's a smorgasbordus of wonderful directors and screenwriters and nice callback there adam <laughs> cinematographers but you know i get it fargo's on there or whatever but i mean does fargo really have a heavier influence on the national or international zeitgeist than lebowski Right. It says here that uh, the registry selects 25 films each year with selections at least 10 years old and culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. I mean, is Fargo more culturally significant than Lebowski? Well, is, it, is, it, is it Fargo that's actually on there? What do you think it is? Raising Arizona? No, I'm just not sure. I'm pretty sure. It's, we talked about this. We gotta get uh, Simon back on here. I something else on there. I'm pretty sure it was Fargo. Well, Fargo did win the awards and stuff. That was their thing. That's it's definitely Fargo. Yeah, Fargo was indeed is indeed in the film registry. Okay. So, well, there you go. And considering that those Fargo and Lebowski are only two years apart, right? It says here Fargo is one of only six films to have been preserved in their first year of eligibility. Hmm. <laughs> I wonder what the others were. Doesn't say. I'm so curious about that right now. I was trying to think about. It. I'm like Godfather, um, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Those were the first two that came to mind. Alien, Back to the Future. What? What is it? Terminator Two. Terminator Three: Rise of the Machines. I think you meant. Terminator Five: Genesis. <laughs> That's coming out. Did you see that? New Terminator movie? I was really impressed with your ability to make shit up, but I guess you didn't make that up? No, there's actually a new Terminator movie coming out. I was sitting here, like, shamed because I had no rebuttal for your amazing skills of improvisation. 
No. But that's actually a real thing. You can't make that stuff up. It's not. It can't be Cameron. Can't be Jimmy Boy, can it? No, it's not. Someone. Well, I mean, they did the last one with. Uh, it starred. Uh, what's his name? There was a Batman, four. Uh, Christian Bale. Right. Was there a four? It wasn't called four. But I'm but there was a missing one. There was, there was three. Terminator. Rise yeah, of Terminator. the Machines. Right. No. 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 I've only I seen two of them. Know. I have no idea. I would Terminator imagine you of all people was would. called Rise of the Machines, yeah. Right. So that's not the one I'm thinking Wasn't of. Wasn't there a four? There was a Terminator. And that was with, with Christian, Christian Bale. Bale. I think that, that may have been called three. Terminator Salvation. And that was the fourth one in the saga. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's fairly recent. It came out in 09. But apparently that was bad, too. Christian Bale doesn't okay. usually do shit. Who, who, yeah. No, it was pretty okay. Christian Bale was good in it, of course. Yeah. Christian Bale played John Connor. So what about... And this played, this was the, no, there was no time travel. This was just, a, you know, the future. It was just Straight up war. It's just war. Yeah. What about the third one? Third one um, was the kid, well, again, John Connor, who was, a, uh, who was, un, who was not born yet in the first Terminator movie it was played by Edward Furlong, the young boy in the second one. Now mm-hmm. he's like kind of a, a teenager or like a, maybe uh I'm not sure exactly. I want to say like he was like maybe 19 or something like that or, or 20 or something at this point. And I guess the, the, uh, the hook in this one is again, Arnold Schwarzenegger is back as a Terminator to help him out and protect him. But they're fighting a female Terminator. Wasn't that the one where a lot of Arnold scenes were CGI or something? Or he had like two lines or something? No, I think that's, you're thinking, no, he was in that fairly, Terminator Salvation was that way. Because in this movie, you needed the young Arnold from the first one to make it make sense. So it was just the CGI young Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's so fucking weird. And he wasn't really like a big thing in the movie. It was just toward the end, you know, part of the movie took place in like the Terminator factory. And then you, and then you saw like the kind of like Arnold Schwarzenegger's coming off the assembly line. And then, you know, some of them got activated and you had to fight them and whatnot. Now, why wouldn't you send back like 25 Terminators in the first one instead of just one? If you have all these at your disposal. Uh, good, good point. I can only imagine it has something to do with the, the, you'd have to make something up about the difficulties of time travel. Like the same reason he can't bring any guns back. Yeah, but you just keep sending them and sending them. Right. Well, again, like maybe it takes like, you know, half of the world's power <laughs> or like, you know, 90% of the world's power to send. I don't think the resistance well, then how did the would have those kinds back? of resources. Yeah. Yeah. Come you're on. right. It doesn't really. Make too much sense in that regard. Well, see the trailer for this new one. It's all crazy. What do you mean? I don't think it's a bad idea. Well, one, it features Arnold, present day Arnold. Okay. So that doesn't like necessarily make old it old Terminator. Good. But maybe I could accept that. Flesh I mean, covered machines a, shouldn't age. Well, except he is covered by a huge, like, organic material, like actual skin. Like, he bleeds oh, and everything, right? Okay. So maybe that can age, right? Jesus they have some cloned Christ. human shell over him. 
Oh, man. We really saying this stuff? Or maybe we're just supposed to pretend. I haven't seen the movie. We're just supposed to pretend that it's still just Terminator, like always. Like, just pay no attention to the fact that it's <laughs> he's 30 to 40 years older now. Um, but it looks like a fun time travel romp. <sighs> I find your faith not disturbing. <laughs> yeah. You are filled with So, yes, with this it. is the fifth installment. Not including... Uh, the Sarah oh. Connor Chronicles, which was the TV series on Fox a while back. I hate these TV. I saw Interstellar for a third time. I told you this, but I feel like I need to say it for the record. Yeah, get it out there. A third time in the theater, the first time that I actually paid for a movie in the theater three times, and it was just as awesome as it was the first time. I saw it in IMAX, 70 millimeter. So, what does that mean? Didn't they shoot it 70 millimeter? Well, didn't they? So, I've never seen, I did not see it in 70 millimeter, but didn't, so, well, I've heard. I don't know if they shot it at 35 or 70, honestly. No, well, what I've heard is they shoot, well, okay, so I, I'm, I'm fairly confident that the entire thing was not shot at 70, only some scenes were. Why would they pick and choose, like, the little uh, spacey, warpy shit? I don't know. But what mm. I've also heard, this can't be right. Well, you've seen it. I'm not even going to say it. It can't be right. What? The, well, when you watch this movie cut together like this, you watch the, 30, the, the 35 millimeter scenes, are they're actually smaller. Like, they take up half the screen or whatever. Okay, it was shot on, it was shot anamorphic, 35. And 70. No, you're right. Both. Both. So anamorphic is to match the aspect ratio. Correct. So the whole thing could fit. Because I could swear, and this could just be something that I'm making, I've made up or misunderstood, but some of these IMAX movies where they get shot in multiple, um, with multiple films like this, multiple sizes, there was some film or something where it was like literally like, okay, Oh, you're outside and it's a big expansive scene at 70 mil. It takes up your whole field of view. It's IMAX. Oh, now we're, this is just the scene in the coffee shop. It's shot in 35 millimeter and it's don't literally it. just cropped. Don't, don't say it. It's just like being. There's just black borders around the whole thing. Yeah. Brad. That sounds stupid. That sounds stupid. I mean, you're not, you're not a stupid person. That sounds stupid. That sounds like a stupid idea. Oh, I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm talking about the idea of perpetuating that myth. That's a stupid idea. Oh, it's not a myth. What it's, is it it's, then? It's real. It's not real. That no, never happened. You're right. It's can't stupid to perpetuate those crazy things. That's just that's it's just the stress talking, man. Okay? Seriously. Nobody's gonna put up with that shit. Let me tell you something else. The theater was packed. That's nice. Still packed. This months came out later. two months ago. Packed. People are still they're making pilgrimage to see this in IMAX. I will tell you that I didn't notice any difference. In IMAX versus regular theater? Correct. Disappointing. Very disappointing. Well, it was, it's bigger, if nothing else, though, right? Not really. No. I think the screen is a very similar size. Huh. Yeah. 
No difference that I could, and I was like really looking at edges. Don't believe the hype. And the way like the highlights would, you know, transition into the dark areas, you know, the edges of things. I was looking at the grain structure on faces. I I couldn't detect any difference at all. It was unfortunate. Well, you just saved me from having to ever go see an IMAX movie. Thanks. Yeah. Well, don't bother. Gonna save your sixteen seventy five. You know, I'm pretty much just happy watching movies on my iPhone. Yeah, that's how I just finished The Sopranos. Finally, oh, yeah. <laughs> Which you've probably never heard of, let alone seen. I've heard of, but I've never seen. A <laughs> okay. Episode of. Yeah, there's the Brad we know and love. Right. Never seen an episode of The Sopranos. Great. I have. Uh, I did watch Crank again, though. So you watched Crank. I watched Crank for the hundredth again time for the hundredth time Sopranos. instead of The Sopranos, The Godfather, exactly, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, exactly. Right. You once upon right. a time in the West. Once upon a time in America. Scarface. Goodfellas. Any of that. You're correct. Beverly Hills Cop. Yes. You keep going. These are all movies. I've Die Hard. Yeah. May we revisit that. I was going to say Back to the Future, but even a soulless creature like you has seen Back to the Future. Oh, no, I've seen Back to the Future plenty. Um, All three. Big yeah. fans. Because, again, it has the sci-fi angle. That's what you need to get me in. Mean, there's no kind of, like, sci-fi. I'm like, well, I don't know. It has to be something. What about Upstream Color? Are you going to say that doesn't have a sci-fi angle? I'm asking if you've seen it. Oh, I've seen it. Okay. All right, fuck you then. Yes, it has a sci-fi angle. Just not even one. I've been like marathoning through it as fast as I could. We had some snow today. They didn't shut down the schools. There's school buses careening everywhere. 18 kids go to the hospital. There's ice. There's chaos in the streets. It's taking people four and a half hours to go five miles. (sighs) Yeah, we got the delay here. Although I don't know what good it really was. because Usually a quarter inch of snow means we are shut down. And we had four inches of snow, not even a delay. Terrible. Yeah, you know, the school board works in mysterious ways. They were in a communications crisis today, though. They issued two separate apology emails to every parent in the entire county. Someone was asleep at the switch. There was so much snow, they couldn't uh, get in to cancel school. I think... Leslie and I talked about this, but I think, honestly, it was, they've been burned so many times by forecasts saying, oop, 14 inches, it's, you know, 6 p.m. the night before, we're going to get 14 inches by morning, and at, like, 9 p.m., they just close everything, and then the storm fizzles out, and there's no snow, and they look like jackasses. So, the way the pendulum swings is, you wake up at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, it's literally snowing, right now, and all it takes is just the threat of snow to put everybody into, like, a maniacal, frenzied state on the roads, but it's literally snowing and they don't even give an hour or two delay to, like, assess the situation, and instead... People are sliding everywhere. Accidents. 
four-hour commutes and the entire city just goes haywire. Can't you just be measured and logical in your approach once for me? It's like the uh, Walter Sobchak (laughs) of snow reactions. It is. You go one way or the other. A man of extremes. Just like he does in this minute. Uh, We've seen he swings all the way back. One minute he's screaming, smashing in a car. He's so, you can sense his remorse in this minute. Yeah, and I never noticed that. No, I never even saw him back there. Yeah, I never noticed it until I was watching this minute closely in preparation here. Seeing him back there just, uh, like, upset. Upset, embarrassed. He's Again, remorseful. Yeah, it's just he knows what... A giant 50-gallon drum of shit he's dumped all over everybody at this point. And he feels bad about it. We should listen to it, probably. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do our... Let's, let's listen to the minute, which is a special minute because it actually transcends uh, th- three scenes. Yes, good point. I wonder if that's a first. It might be. I mean, we've dealt with minutes that transition from one scene to another, but we have three whole scenes in this one. Yeah, one is completely self-contained. Huh. Yeah. So, uh, All right. So enjoy listening to three different scenes, audience. Let's roll. I just mopped that fucking car last week! Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm gonna yeah. fucking I'm kill sorry. you! I just mopped that fucking car last week! Come on, man. I'll kill your fucking car, no, man! No, no, hey, hey, you. that's not his head! Oh, oh, God damn it! Oh, oh, fuck oh, you! Man. So three scenes. Three scenes in one minute. Yes. Continue that. I think we can, you know, at this point there should be no spoilers because we just listened to it. Right. Well, I mean, so we have, well, as a preview of the discussion to follow, <laughs> there are three different scenes contained within this minute. Mm-hmm. Not complete scenes, mind you. The tail end of one scene then one complete scene, then the beginning of a third scene. It starts with the end of the uh, Little Larry scene where the mad neighbor comes out and starts smashing the dude's car. It then moves rather hilariously and comedically (laughs) to a shot of Walter the dude and Donnie in the car. You sound like the worst host smashed. of an educational training video I ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> You're so measured right now. I met well. Me- measurement is what is called for it. Okay. Time. Okay. I'm okay. Keep it up then. But yes, it's a. It is a great 
scene. I mean, that transition is something that I, I enjoy. It's Why? one of the highlights of this movie. Granted, a movie that's almost nothing but highlights, admittedly, but Why it just do you works love it really so well. Why? Well, we have the tension of the guy being smashed, smashing the car, and then the cut, right? And again, it's that 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 uh maybe sudden and unexpected transition. Little non sequitur shit. Yeah, to them now driving. The, the, the scene is done. The dude is obviously incredibly pissed. This did not go very well for them. They did not get the briefcase. Um, dude's car got smashed. They're now driving in this smashed up car without any windshield or anything. And now we also see the payoff of the, the In-N-Out burger, right? It was mentioned before, and now here they are. Afterwards, they went to the In-N-Out burger as they planned. And it's almost that, like... I mean, this is just a question, you know, it's a, uh, some, you know, we need, this is like a theoretical framework for how to understand how comedy works, right? But there's, but just the way that that, you fill that in in your mind, right? You have the dude that's pissed off, yet they still went to the In-N-Out Burger. (laughs) And you can almost make up a whole scene of the movie in your mind in that instant. I would love, I think we talked about this before, but I would love to make The Big Lebowski 2. But it's the same movie. It's just all the scenes that we don't get to see. But you make the same exact movie. As far as like plot goes, you start mm-hmm. at the very beginning of this movie and you end at the very beginning of this movie. But it's all the scenes that were cut out. And you just shoot those. You know, you get to see like mm-hmm. the dude drives from Ralph's after he sniffs the half and half and writes the 69 cent check. It's his journey from the Ralphs to his apartment and how he parks his car. Cut, right? And then Wu and the blonde treehorn thug leave. And then it's him like having to go back out to the grocery store and get more half and half because it all got spilled. And what so it's you could almost like play them. And you could, like, insert pauses in between them and play both movies, and one would pause, and then the other one would pick up. So after his face got smashed into the toilet and the thugs leave, now he goes back to the same grocery store with that same, like, bored and irritated uh, checker girl, and now he's even more disheveled and gross, buying another thing of half and half already open with a milk mustache and writing another 69-cent check. I think there's comedy gold there. No. That's probably the best idea for a sequel I've heard. <laughs> I that's not saying that I'm fully behind the idea, but but if there's going to be a sequel, it's one way to do it. It's not really a sequel, it's a sidequel, I guess, is how they call the in Hollywood these days. It's a twoquel. Okay, sure. But uh sidequel. Yeah. I mean the other yeah, that's probably better than doing something like doing the movie from With like the, the Bill Jesus's point of view or something. Right, all of that crap. Yeah. Or just doing a completely different story, bring Woody Harrelson in as a character or something. Well, that was the thing going around. Bill Murray was going to be the developer trying to tear the bowling alley down and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but you know what? Too late, guys. Too late. It's that already gone. Down. It's gone. National treasure demolished. <laughs> At least we know that the national treasure of this movie is safe. Thank you, Simon, for the part that you played in that preservation. 
if you did at all. Is he still on that board? I have no idea. Or was it just his years of harping about Big Lebowski that eventually won them over? One way or another, I'm going to attribute this to Simon. Which in, which in turn, I will take some small credit for, and so should you. Oh, without a doubt. It was our legions of fans that mobbed the Library of Congress that, that really led to this action. You can't discount that kind of influence, that kind of grassroots movement. That's the kind of influence we have, Brad. Yeah. I mean, I don't like to talk about it too no, much. No, it's a little unbecoming. But In, you know, Lebowski circles, you know, we're kind of a big deal. <laughs> we get tens of listeners. All right. Scores. Scores. Do you see what happens? So this is kind of a revisit. Oh, right. But we never talked about the fact right. that we have the Walter, you know, and it's a very obvious thing. Again, we were very uh, egregiously amiss in not mentioning it, but... Mm. We have Walter screaming, you see what happens, you see what happens. Right. Just like in the very beginning of the, the movie, you see what happens, Lebowski. The thugs, the, the treehorn tree thugs. Thud. Right. Yeah. See what happens, Lebowski? That's right. Uh, yeah, that's the... Uh, it's more sparroting. That's the... Um, yeah, more sparroting. That's even the name of our uh, Tumblr. You see what happens, Lebowski.tumblr.com. Although it's not, do you see what happens? Although you could make a case that maybe he's not saying, do you see? The do is understood. It's in parentheses. You see right. what happens. Yeah, yeah. Probably is you see what happens. Yep. But again, this is the first time we hear this, the dude is experiencing that line of dialogue by himself. He's not with Donnie or Walter. He's just with the checkout girl. And now all right. of a sudden, Walter's sparroting it out there. Well, it really just goes back to, um, you know, this, this whole idea that there is some type of, like, cosmic thread that ties this all together. Just like we've discussed, you know, not only in the Lebowski universe, but in the actual real universe as well, many Dep times. Depending on what dimension you're talking about. Are right. we in a Tesseract or not? We're definitely, well, we're definitely in a four-dimensional construct that is folded into uh, a five-dimensional shape. You think? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. No doubts about that one. I got my doubts. I'm a doubter. I'm a doubter, Brad. Doubt the Tesseract. I need to ask you, have you gone deep yet? Deep? Yeah. Deep into the woods? Deep with David Reese. No. I'm too busy watching Crank and Crank 2 again and again <laughs> to actually watch anything else. You're sending me frame grabs of those movies. Of, uh, oh, of Crank? Yeah. Y you might want to branch out once in a while <laughs> and watch something else. I did send you a, a, a pic of, like, some kind of fleshy clay growing hair today. What was with the fleshy hair growing clay? I don't know. It was kind of creepy. What do you mean you don't so know? You had I'd to find it. it somewhere. Don't say, I don't know. It's just floating out there. I, no, it's not just a no, picture. No you can't tell no me context. there's no context. No I context? Also, it's just the picture? Just the picture. Is it? It's just some work of art or something. Listen, if you can grow hair in clay, you should be able to grow hair on men's scalps, which means, wasn't there a movie? It's like, 
this whole thing is about finally learning how to regenerate male hair loss kind of thing. It was like this kind of like a spy movie, but what's the big secret you have? Oh, we can grow men's hair back or just grow hair, anybody's hair back. That's going to make billions of dollars. Ooh, like fucking Clive Owen or some shit is in it. Not ringing any bell, Uh but I didn't see a lot of, I don't, I don't think I've seen a lot of, I don't know, Clive Owen. I thought you meant Clive Barker. (laughs) 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 You said Clive Owen, but I was thinking Clive Barker. Well, that's going to say, I haven't seen too many Clive Barker things. I was going to try to commit, I just can't even get there. I'm, I can't. It's like, oh, I thought what's-his-name-from-the-White-House-blowing-up movie was the other guy, but no, it doesn't even... I can't. Clive Barker? Master of Horror? Yeah, Hellraiser. <sighs> Clive Barker. The Nightbreed. You know he's 62 years old, Brad? It doesn't mean anything to me. Well... Because I never had an idea of how old he was. For all I knew, he was... 62 back in the 80s when he was making these movies you know what you're right i see your point but let me let me put it to you this way i live most of my life with certain metrics in place one of the metrics is you know i reference current events by how far removed they are from the release date of back to the future well it's 2015 this is the year that Back to the Future 2 came came out, or was supposed to take place. Mm-hmm. You know? 30 years in the future. Do you know what that means? Back to the Future came out 30 years ago. That's just, that's one of my, I stuck that little flag down in the moon dirt a long time ago. There it is. I measure things by it. The other way I measure things is by, for instance, someone making their first major motion picture and what age they are when they do that and what age I am, and I measure myself against that. Yeah, you can't do that. No, it's horrible. I hate doing it. I'm not saying I I endorse it or I enjoy doing it. I'm just telling you what happens. But Duncan Jones, who directed Moon... He directed that in 2009, and he was born in 1971. So, he was 38. He really just had a short before that called, uh, I'll have to look it up, I don't know, Whistle. That was in 2002. He's 31. So, his first feature, he was 38 years old. I'm 38, so I'm not a complete failure yet. It used to be Sheryl Crow. It's like, wow, she wasn't, she didn't release her first album until she was like 32 or 33 or whatever it was. I'm like, well, that's ancient. I got time. But time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future, Brad. Don't fuck around. No, I'm with you. I'm done fucking around. Good. Good. 2015, there's no more fucking around without a doubt. The year of not fucking around anymore. Right. It's time to do shit. Be consistent at the very we're least. Be, we're making this podcast. Step one. Well, that's like step zero because that started three years ago, didn't it? But we're doing it consistently. Right. Right. 
Oh, so many things here, Brad, but I just can't... Where do I begin? Where do I begin? You haven't gone deep. So, we see little Larry at least two more times in this minute. He's in the background. When the screaming guy is smashing the windows, you can still see little Larry in the bay window. Or if it's not a bay window, just the big window. Mm -hmm. You can see him there. He's just watching. Like a little bastard. (coughs) That was a sneeze. That kind of shit happens. Yeah. And I don't know. I never noticed he was still back there, because you're so focused on the smashing of the glass. And then Walter in the background, like... Yeah. Like, putting his, I think, his left hand across his abdomen in, a like, a protection thing, and then putting his right elbow in his hand, and then putting his head down on his palm a little bit. Yeah. And then walking over the car and kind of rubbing his forehead. Right. Just in, he's it's so like, contrite. Yeah, he's kind of, like, like maybe adjusting his glasses a little bit, and, like, has his hand up to his face, kind of in a, like, a, oh, my God kind of a a gesture but his hand is like shaking and it's kind of like where you kind of like one of those things where his hands up to his face and he puts it out a little bit like he wants to say something or just be like oh wait and you know like brings it back and his hand his hand is shaking and then he starts pacing (laughs) and just kind of like yeah put his hand on the top of his head kind of rubbing like oh my god oh shit (laughs) oh yeah i have made a terrible mistake Things are spiraling which, out of control. Which is interesting because the next time we see him, he's eating his In-N-Out burger in the Telltale, not Telltale, but the the classic Walter uh, standard, which is like, what's the, what's the big deal? What's going on? And right. then the third scene in this minute, which we haven't talked about, he's on the phone with the dude. Granted we don't hear his side of the conversation. So I guess there's two things. He is actually apologizing to the dude. As opposed to the car scene where he and Donnie are both like blithely chowing down on their in and out burgers. Yeah. Or as opposed to when he screwed up the drop with the, with the uh, kidnappers and he was just like, Oh, well, what's the problem? Right. Well, he was very, there was no like, Oh, I'm sorry. I rolled out of the car and it, it didn't work out. Shot your car up, put, gave them my undies, didn't beat the shit out of them to find their plan. Blythe. He was blithe there, he's blithe here. But I think, again, this is part of the side quill that we do, because we get to see the scene in between the car ride back, dropping probably Donnie off first, and then Walter. Walter's had his burger now, so... He's not focusing on the food, and now the dude is dropping him off. He probably senses the dude's frustration and anger and disappointment, which compels him to call the dude later on to, like, apologize and shit. Mm -hmm. But that's another scene that we can have. Right. Or even just what's on the other side of this phone call. Like, what's happening to Walter? What's he saying exactly? What is he doing? Who is he with? Is he with anybody? What Where is he? Is he? What is he, he wearing? Does he have any clothes on? Is he completely naked? Does he, is he only wearing a bandana? A camouflage bandana? Is he pumping iron, Brad? 
Could be. Well, I guess, you know, part of so I'm imagining, right? Because the dude is like, no, 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 right? And like, what is he Walter, pumping iron with? Sorry, go ahead. I mean, Walter may feel, because again, thinking of Walter's mentality and then seeing this car, the dude's car get smashed. Well, first, he smashed the guy's Camaro or Corvette, more rather, right? Corvette, more rather, whatever. The Corvette. The most rather. The all of the rathers. All the Dans. All of them. Under whatever, rather. <laughs> whatever flavor of rather you prefer. The least rather. He smashed the Corvette, and then the dude's car got smashed as a result of that. In both cases, it is this destruction of private property that I'm sure is really, uh, really sticks in, the, in Walter's craw. So a- mostly his apology is around the fact that um, I'm sorry your car got smashed up. Still not necessarily um, acknowledging that, you know, bracing this 15-year-old kid had any merit to it whatsoever or that they were getting anywhere there. With, you know, the line is in the next minute, but, you know, with the whole line about, no, he was not about to crack. Yeah, but you know what, the dude... He was on board. He was on board. He knew what they were doing. And even when they get there and they first brace Larry Sellers, like, he can see he's a 15-year-old punk kid, but he's still into it. He's the one that threatens to cut the dick off. You know, That's he, true. he's into it. So I can't absolve the dude or, like, take too hard a line on Walter for the idea that they were going to go brace a 15-year-old kid because the dude was into it, too. I think it was really just, you know, I think it is the destruction of property. And, I don't know, maybe more overarching, just Walter keeps fucking it up, but, I mean, he didn't, first of all, he called Walter for the drop. He called Walter. He went to pick Walter up to come along, you know? If it was that important to you, and you thought Walter was going to fuck things up so bad, you would have never called him to go along with you for the drop. Right. Well, the um, dude, so I'm not sure what has happened in the past, right? Does the dude realize what, how much Walter is going to fuck shit up at first? I don't know. I mean, it was Walter's the, idea to go brace the titular Lebowski. Right. He calls Walter. Walter comes along for the drop. He fucks that up. And now here's a third instance of Walter totally fucking everything up. But the dude goes along with it every time. Right. The dude is very easy to be... You know, he's very quick to be talked into this stuff. He's not gullible, but yes, he's very um, persuadable. Yes. He can't see what it looks like from the outside. He doesn't have a good objective sense of what's actually happening. The, you know, reality is very subjective, and when he's with Walter... They create this shared reality where this stuff actually makes sense. And then the shit hits the fan when their bizarre reality is collides with reality reality. No, I know what you mean. And I got to be honest with you. I fall prey to that idea myself sometimes. Oh, hell yeah. Like, it depends on who I'm talking to. And somebody will say, oh, do you believe this thing that happened? Blah, blah, blah. Here's what I think. I'm like. You're totally right. That makes perfect sense. 
Half an hour later, I talked to somebody else. Oh, look at this thing that happened. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you know what? You're right. What am I, just gullible? So, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go way back in time here. Okay. This oh, isn't maybe boy. quite an example. We like to sometimes wax, wax nostalgic about okay. things from way in our past. Let's be careful, I don't though. know why this story sticks in my mind. I'm so scared. And it has stuck in my mind. No, it's not that bad. Okay. Maybe you should be scared about a really boring story that will ultimately go nowhere. No, I love that. Okay. I have no then problem with that. One, Excellent. The, uh, I was in first grade. Okay, this is already perfect. And someone, <laughs> one of the kids in first grade, somehow it came up, you know, we were talking about water balloons or something, and some kids That's what said, you fucking talk about in first grade. Yeah. And he What's said, the proper oh, fillage? Do you want it to burst immediately, or do you want to get a nice, like, uh, and then it kind of hits the ground and breaks? Yeah. Well, he said something to the effect, and I, you know, of course, the exactly what he said is lost to the ages. But in essence, yeah. he made reference to the fact, you know, he 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 had some anecdote about putting um, eggs in water balloons. So then, when it not only did it smash, and the egg would shatter, so you'd get hit with the water balloon, and then you'd also have a egg smashed on you, like a like a full egg, or you would crack the egg into the water balloon, or you would just like. Literally wrap the balloon around it like a well, shelled egg. I imagine the I could imagine egg. it going either way. Well, I don't know if the shelled egg would work though, and that was ultimately so. That's the realization. Because at some point, I relay this story to my father for some reason, and he's like, "We did science experiments where the whole point was to not have an egg break when you dropped it from three stories up. What everybody would do is put it into a water balloon." To cushion it against the impact. Did they actually do that? Yeah, I think so. Or something well, like that. See, so this really goes against my reality, right? Because so I made some story, and he was more or less saying like, well, you know, that's just a, a stupid story. Like, that kind of really happened. And I'm like, no, it did. His brother would put the egg in the balloon. <laughs> oh, you know, even like, why the fuck would I right. know, right? He just some story. Just like, like Keith, what's his name had Boardwalk, and I had Park Place, and we were going to win a million dollars. Yeah, exactly. No, he had it. He told me he had it. Yes, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, and he was just like, "Well, how would you put the egg into the balloon? Like the egg couldn't fit in that little hole. Depends on what kind of balloon it was." And I was kind of like, "Oh, because this whole time in my mind, I pictured like this." I don't know why some like it. I, it's not only that I never just thought it through, but I did have a mental conception of it, a visual conception. But it was more like a uh, like a hobo sack, like a long piece of latex that you could kind of curl around and tie on one end after it's been filled with the various things. Even though I knew what a water balloon was, I guess in my mind to make this story make sense, that's what I saw. And then as soon as he you made certain concessions, that, it like shattered that. I was like, oh, yeah, like water balloons don't look like that or operate like that. And it could never work. And you couldn't put an egg. Now, granted, I hadn't considered this new possibility that like maybe you crack the egg, use a funnel, crack an egg into it. Right. It will suck it in there. That, that, could, that could work. Oh, it'll definitely work. You but can do that with a soda bottle. Point, and... If you did that, the egg would be so watery, like you might not even notice there was an egg in it. Wait, why? The yolk would still be there. 
yeah, it'd still be there. But I guess it wouldn't matter if there's a shell or not. Load the whole thing up with eggs. Put like a dozen eggs in the one water balloon. That is the water in the water balloon. It's just yeah. white. It's just it's yolk just and white. It's just egg. Fucking send that flying. That's but you get the disgusting. You have the balloons that have the wider nozzle. One of your favorite words, you know. Wider, a wide enough to fit an egg. You, it, they're stretchy, Brad. I think even a regular tiny balloon you could almost stretch enough to get an egg in there. I don't. Shit. I don't. Oh, now I have to go back and revisit everything. I'm telling you, this, all this time I was like, I was so stupid. That destroyed your world. No, it doesn't. Balloon. Think and about you're it. Telling me it could happen. Think about how that stretches. You stretch this shit all the time. You that stretches out. That's not even a problem to me. Getting an egg into a regular sized balloon, I could do that. I'm gonna go find a balloon as soon as we're off air. I'm gonna put an egg into it. I know it can happen easily. We need to try this. That's the whole thing. They're stretchy. Now, you got to be careful and not jab on the egg too much because then it might break. But I'm not worried about the elasticity of fucking an elastic substance. You know, that's going to stretch. I want to see this. I'll do it. I don't need a give vid- a shit. We need to make a video. We got to put it on I'll YouTube. Do it. I'll do it. So we can share it with our listeners, whether it's a success or failure. Just so thinking, you could do that. It's easy. Egg in a water balloon challenge, right? And then there. once the egg is in there, then you can put the water in. Easy. Easy. Not a right. problem. This is interesting. I, I'm, let's try this. I mean, Al wished me a happy birthday and everything, but I think Al is wrong. He's wrong. Could be. Let's try it. Okay. This is a whole new... See, it's 2015, man. It's, like it's new, new shit has come to light, Brad. I think here. that you can like, like rip, put a little gauze on that wound that you've been harboring that hasn't healed all these years. I think we're gauzing that over. We're going to heal that up. Let's see. Yeah. Now, if only you could make it so that females, when they got to a certain age, just got pregnant, because that's how I thought it was when I was like six. <laughs> I just thought every female, that's like, that's how people got pregnant. You're female and you get to a certain age, you get pregnant and then you have offspring. It probably. I was way off. Not a bad theory, though. I was way off, though. Let's face it. It's not really how it happens. Yeah. It's the best I could come up with, though. Well, that's how um, Lewis Gossett Jr. in Enemy Mind, that's how he gets pregnant. (gasps) <gasps> is that why I thought that? Maybe. I saw that movie like three times. Yeah. I don't so, think you were six when that movie was out, though. No, I that think it was like... It was 82, I think. Oh, I think that movie's way later than that. Really? I'm going to say 87. All right, maybe I was eight. It was 85. All right. Yeah. So I was like so nine. Was, eight or nine. Something yeah. like that. All right, still. Not too bad. Although the human in that movie... You know, expresses the how bizarre that is, or the fact that like, how could you be pregnant? Kind of a thing to it. So interesting, interesting. Did we talk about this enemy mine? I feel like we had to have. Seems like we touched on it. It's a movie we can keep. We can just keep coming back to. Yeah. Well, I really liked it. It was one of the you know one of the ones. It wasn't Cloak and Dagger by any means. Great deal. Yeah. Yeah. Wolfgang Peterson directed that. I did not. What a weird. Know that. Director. The director of The NeverEnding Story. 
Yeah, I didn't like that giant flying puppet, you know? Well, if we're going to talk about, like, a reality that then gets shattered. Yes. When I realized the never-ending story, that song, it's sung by a guy. I was like, what? Which song? The never-ending story? Yeah. It's called the that, right? Never-ending story. That one, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's sung by a guy? Yeah. Do you know that Wolfgang Peterson directed The Perfect Storm? Um, I didn't, but I knew that he has done, um, he's done a lot, I mean, it doesn't necessarily surprise me, because he did a lot of movies like that in the late 90s and 2000s, a lot of the blockbuster type stuff. That's what I generally think of him as. He hasn't directed a movie in almost nine years. Well, you know, he's done what he needed to do. He's 73, 74, getting up there. Das Boot. Air Force One, Troy, Outbreak. I remember loving that movie at the time. Outbreak. Dustin Hoffman. Right. The monkey. I remember that movie. Exists. You got junkies with monkey diseases. Who's touching these monkeys? Please leave these poor sick monkeys alone. They got problems enough as it is. You've never seen it. But I've never seen it. <sighs> so what you just did was rather bizarre to me. Flight of the Concords. You never watched it. I've I, I know like you less and less every But I did not see season two of Flight of the Concords. This was season one. It's like episode three or something. Oh, it's really? very early on, yeah. It's Maybe the because camera I never phone saw the movie, it went over my head or something. With the two thugs. I don't know what you're... Has nothing to do with outbreak. Oh, uh, what does it have to do with? Flight of the Concords, Brad. Flight of the Concords. Yes, I've seen that, but I didn't see season two. It's not in season two. It's the thugs who they get mugged. Oh, okay. It's the That's and the it's the guy from Sopranos. That doesn't help you. And they sing a song. It mentions monkeys. A monkey plays heavily into this episode, and a camera phone. You know, they have to meet the thugs. They get they get mugged, and then they got to go meet them again. Jermaine's hanging on a fence. Oh, they abandon okay. him. Blah blah blah. Come on. Yes. <sighs> only two seasons it's a good it's a good example of like going out on top and not wanting to dilute your art right. or something was season two okay it was okay it was okay there were some moments right it wasn't great and you could sense it and they sensed it yeah. it's like it's too hard to keep writing these incredibly clever songs and Right. Make well, because their first, they already had those songs built up. They spent years performing live right, and making right. that. And they're like, oh, it's a TV series. And then it's like, okay, now it's season two. It's like, oh, well, we spent 10 years doing that. So now in, you have right. four, you months, got four to months to do, to do to, it again. Right. Do all of that, your entire previous career's worth of work, do that again in four months. They did it once and it wasn't as good. And they're like, nope, we're done. HBO was begging them to keep going. Like, nope. Fuck it. You know what I like? Speaking of like comedy duo, musical duos. Lars von Trier and David Lynch collaborating on a rom-com. I wasn't going to say that, but is that real? No. Shit. I would watch that. I would watch it too. How could you not, really? I was going to say Garfunkel and Oates. (laughs) 
I should probably know what that is. It's just like a female comedy duo, and they do songs. They're kind of like they're kind. I guess you could. They're kind of like Flight of the Concords, but also nothing like Flight of the Concords, which is good, right? Mm-hmm. But they they got a show on IFC recently, which I really enjoyed. Tell me more. It was just very entertaining. <laughs> they're very humorous. That's a great story, man. Um, it was good. It was a good. It's good. <laughs> Good. That's, I like them. <laughs> that's what you got for me. That's all I got for you. Okay. Um. Well, have you ever seen Kristen Schaal's stand-up comedy, though? I have seen some of that. Yes. Have you seen the horrendously repetitive one? Yes. What do you think about that? It's pretty good. Come pretty, on, that's pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. It demonstrates a force of will that is rarely seen. Is that what the New Yorker said? Uh, pretty, pretty, pretty good. No, it's just what I said right now. It's like the guy with the Mickey Mouse voice. You know, he's dedicated to his craft. He's never out of character. In Wild at Heart that has the weird kind of Donald what is, Duck-like Yeah, voice. what is with... Well, he's a small person, though. So I yeah, thought I don't it had think some. He is. He's a small person. I think he's a giant person. No, he's is he a, a small person. He's a small person. Oh, yeah, he's a small. So I just attributed it to his condition. Look, I'm going to search "wild at heart." Small. Duck voice. Well, I was going to do "small person." I think "duck voice." I think that may even be better. Yeah, I'll do "small person." You do "duck voice." He's like. Rah! Rah! The thing that always got me about that, though, is Nick Cage is, he's not all like, oh, whatever, weirdo. He's interacting with him. He's like, yeah, I know. Awesome, right? He doesn't. Like the guy is saying something. He's saying something. But, I mean, he's literally saying something. It's just coming out weird. Like, I almost feel like uh, I would go um, yes. need to watch that movie. I bet there's subtitles there that explain what that guy's saying. I bet it says just like strangled duck sound you know and it's in parentheses strangled ducks yeah really because that's all they do they're not gonna there wasn't i can't believe for a second that whatever he was saying was scripted it was just overdubbed with you know weird animal noises it can't be dialogue it doesn't add to the story at all you're saying that we're supposed to assume that Nick Cage's character is understanding what Strangled Duck Noises is saying? I think as an audience, we might be uh, supposed to understand it. No, come on. There are limits, man. There's limits like Lynch, say what you will, he can be confounding and perplexing, but if it's something, if it's dialogue that's supposed to be heard and understood... Well, I think technically he's going to make it so that you can hear it and understand it. I think it's intent. I mean, he knows that it will be difficult or maybe impossible for most people to understand. Most people? Who's going to understand that? I don't know. We got to go back. I got to find that scene. Well, it's probably on YouTube, I suppose. Be hard to find, though. Let me say, what do you put in there? Well, wild at heart. Small person or duck voice. Scenes. 
<laughs> oh, they call him the Frogman. Look at Can that. Can you believe it? Frogman. I typed in Wild at Heart weird scenes, and the first thing that comes up is Wild at Heart 1990, Nicolas Cage, Laura Dern, Frogman bar scene. No fucking way. Yep. Wild at Heart fro- Frogman scene or frog Frogman bar scene. Frogman. I love it on YouTube. Frogman we'll bar scene. this into the show notes. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, it's not a little guy. It's a little guy. He's not. Oh, Brad. Yeah, he... He's a he's little, a- little. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> you're t- you're all just... Right, all right, I'm just listening to you laugh. What the fuck? Frogman bars? I see it. It's yeah, right here. Watch it. It's homework for everyone. Watch it and let us know what he's saying. Well, and if he's a small man or not, right? He's not. Jesus. He comes up to the bar. He's like way bigger than Nicolas Cage. You're fucking right. He is not a small man. I imagined him as a small person. He just stares at them for a little while, Brad. Yeah. And he nods all crazy. Mm-hmm. All oh. right. All right. Mm. <laughs> yeah. My pigeon spat. Dear Jesus. That's what I always thought he said. We've really let this go to shit. <laughs> You're going to have to go on without me. <laughs> Leave me behind, man. Just take it home. All right. Fuck it. <laughs> Fuck this shit, man. <laughs> Rock man, Parsi. <laughs> <laughs> I really tried to keep it together. I'm so sorry. I'm crying. <laughs> Is it simply the Frogman bar scene that's got you so riled up? Is it my interpretation? It's all of it. Oh, and my decided lack of detailed information about this and my mismemory, which leads me to question everything. Like my UFOs in Vermont, all of it has come into question now after this. Where babies come from. What's that? Where babies come from. Where Maybe women really from? do just get pregnant at a certain point. How would I know? Like that might I be know? how it works. Maybe that's how it works. I only have experience. Direct first-hand experience with one person. But you don't know how it works, right? I don't. You don't have. The fact that you have a daughter does not negate the fact that maybe it was just time for your wife to get pregnant. You can't prove a negative, Brad. Yeah, like, that's just probably what happened. Jeez. <sighs> <sighs> no, I'm all right. It's fine. All I right. Frogman bar scene. <laughs> I wrote it down. It's cool. It doesn't affect me that much. It's totally fine. The dude has crazy glued the coiled wire into the handset of his phone. Let's let me point that out at least. Really? It's what oh, it looks you might like. Be right. It's what it looks like. Because he, what he's done is he's purchased an extra long coiled cord. A phone doesn't come with like a 20 foot long coiled cord that can extend out to like 40 feet. It comes with like a 3 foot long cord that can extend out to like 6 or 7 feet. Mm-hmm. So he bought a new cord, but then probably the little uh, tab broke off. 
you know, right. that clicks in there, broke off. So he's like, those yeah, little tabs it. are always breaking off. They're very sensitive. So you put it in there and you put some, you slap some crazy glue on it. But he's a lazy man. So he just kind of slathers it all over and holds it there until it just is stuck in place. Because he wanted a nice long cord. But he probably didn't know. He like put it in and then wanted to get it out. He didn't know how to remove it. So he just like <laughs> yanked it out in a drug addled haze. <sighs> so he's, he's nailing this two by four in. Where did he get the two by four, Brad? Well, you never know. He could be just lying around. Come on. He's got a three foot long, perfectly cut piece of two by four there. No fresh ends on it. He went and asked Marty for it. Hey, you got any scrap lumber around? Oh, sure, dude. It's another scene for the movie. He's looking for some scrap lumber. And some yeah. nails. And some nails, mind you. Right, he has some hardware. And these nails are collared nails. And I've never actually seen these kinds of nails. But if you look at the board, when he's mm-hmm. nailing it in there... Yeah. If you start at the bottom and you describe an arc from the bottom left, sort of gently curving up and slightly to the right, one, two, three. Oh, you see I the see what you mean. You see what I mean? There's a collar there. Yeah. Which is it why all looks- of these nails, he's not able to get the nails all the way through. Right, right. Like It's like there's a head of the nail and then more nail. And then another head. And then an- there's two it looks heads. like a thumbtack, except... It does, but obviously... Instead of a thumbtack, you have a long nail that comes out the other end, and the entire thing is made of ma- nail material, some sort of metal, I would imagine. It's almost like a rivet that you're supposed to squeeze together on either side of something. But yeah, it's, but it's yeah. not. It's yeah. a nail. Mm-hmm. I, I just... Um, I've never seen such a thing. I don't know what they'd be used for. Somebody knows... But that's why, like, none of the nails really are going down all the way and they're bending over. Even the one that we see as we're treated to this L cut, where the dude, Donnie Walter, in the car with the windshield smashed out and the wind, the aggressive wind sound that we can hear. Nice sound effect, nice fully work. As it cuts before we visually cut to this scene, we can already hear the pounding of the hammer on these collared nails. Mm-hmm. There's like four hits. Yeah, and there's the Santana also as well. That's another thing I wanted to point out. It's a Santana trifecta, a Santana three ways, a Santana threefer. It starts out when we cut to black after the crazed crowbar guy smashing the dude's right. car. Ja, ja, ja. There's this very watery glass splat in stereo that goes in both channels i don't know if you noticed that but the the very last sound effect you hear of him smashing the dude's windshield the glass just splatters on both sides but it they are enhancing that sound with spilled liquid of some sort it could be like pomegranate juice or water or like root beer a and w because it's a little foamy something like that they're enhancing it with a liquid mm-hmm. sound and then in the darkness, you hear Santana's Oya Komoba come up. Then they EQ it. We cut to the dude, Donnie Walter, in the car. And they EQ it to lend it a diegetic feel, implying that this is actually playing in the car. Then we cut to the dude's house. 
the EQ it again, and it becomes even tinnier, implying that the dude has it now probably on his turntable. So he's probably playing a cassette in the car of Santana, or it was on the radio, and that's in his head. When he gets home, he puts on some Santana vinyl. So that's... You think so? That's what I think. What do you think? You, so you don't I like was, that? I was debating this, and that was at first what I thought. But? But I feel the music in the car is not there. How could you possibly feel that? Listen to how it changes. When the screen is black, it's playing as if it's just, you know, superfluous, over, like icing on top of the veneer right. of the film music. Yeah. And then when we cut to the visual of them in the dude's car, minus a windshield, listen to how the equalization changes. Well, it's the, the fact that you hear, like you said, all the wind rushing. Yeah. Because the cut from the car to the dude's house, you know, it's seamless. And I don't know. No, I just feel like it's just like how you hear the pounding beforehand. And granted, they're stretching this far. Like, I mean, that the Oye Como Va while they're in the car is for great cinematic effect, but it's just a kind of a precursor to them, to the song actually being in the dude's apartment several seconds. I hear later. what you're saying, but that is incorrect. And I will, I'll admit this much, though. They're doing a double L cut. They're doing, so they're overlapping the sound, for instance... The angry man is smashing the dude's windshield. Boom, boom, boom. And then the visual, the picture, cuts to black. But you hear the last echoing out of the crowbar hitting the dude's windshield. And that's supposed to be the time when it actually just, boom, shatters into total, like it's gone now. He finally gets it. And that's reinforced by the sound of all the little pieces shattering in both the left channel and the right channel. So even though the visual is cut, the sound is still going, so that's one element of the L cut, but then you're also back-timing the music to start right at the cut. But then when you cut visually to the car, the EQ on the music doesn't change right with it, because that would be jarring. It waits like a second, and then it changes to be diegetic in the car. But it does change to be diegetic in the car, because then they use the same sort of, not motif, but like uh, convention, I guess, where the picture cuts, and we're already hearing the audio of the hammering, tum, 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 before we cut visually to the dude's house where he's pounding the nails in. We hear the ta-ta-ta-ta-ta, then we cut visually, Oye Como Vaz playing over the whole thing. We wait a second, and then they change the EQ. So it's like a double-layered elk cut. But it changes very noticeably in both instances. My point is that it is implied that we are hearing Oye Como Ba in the dude's car, and then diegetically in the dude's house. If you listen to it, you'll hear it. I think I have to ultimately agree with you, especially after listening to it again with the headphones on. Yeah. Because it's even tinnier in the dude's apartment here. Oh, definitely. But the, but the, it's weird because they're not changing that EQ either with the initial diegetic sound, which is before the visual cuts, but they're also not changing it with the visual cut. 
So it's like a th- another threefer. Sound comes in, picture changes, EQ changes in like one second increments. And again, why? Like, why? Why wouldn't you just... Why wouldn't you do them at the same time? And what would compel you to do it any other way? Is it just too much? Is it sensory overload to do them all at the same time? And I, I look at the framing. Well, it's too much. It's too jarring. But it shouldn't be. You, you're already softening that transition by bringing the sound in first. So once the picture changes and the sound's already there for this new environment, why wouldn't you just change the equalization at the same point? Instead, you're waiting? That doesn't make any sense. I'm not saying it doesn't work, mind you. It just doesn't make any sense to do that. Is it just something they tried that happened to work? So you're saying the equalization and the change in picture should happen at the same time. I'm not saying they should happen at the same time. I'm saying that's what I would do if I was planning this scene out and well, I'm in the I edit room it and it's like... Jarring. I but really why? Do. Why, though? How would I don't you... know. You're changing two things at once. It wouldn't be smooth. But, ha- like, halfway, not halfway, but, like, partway into a scene, the whole tenor of a sound changes? That seems more jarring to me. On paper. On paper, mind on paper, you. Yeah, I could see on paper, but in reality, it's not. But how would you even know to try that, is my question. How would you even know what question to ask? Why is this not working? How would you even know to, like, what do we, what do, we do to fix this jarringness? I would have tried, like, cutting the picture at a different time, you know? Or bringing the hammering in sooner. I would have never, like, midway through, like, you've already changed scenes orally, You've already changed scenes visually, and now you're going to do a second aural change? That just seems like something that would never, ever occur to me. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about, but I don't really know what to, how to respond to that. What I'm getting at is that this isn't taught. It's not really something you can learn unless you watch one movie at like a thousand times. But they didn't watch The Big Lebowski a thousand times before they, you know, cut this scene together. Uh, I guess my point is, like, whether it's filmmaking or cooking or driving a vehicle, like, what are these, what are these decisions that you make just in any facet of your life that you can't quantify? They just come from, like, instinct or something. Where do they come from? What is that? It's not necessarily experience, is it? It could be, or it just comes from aesthetics and taste, and I don't know. Maybe it does come from, right? That's your craft. It's not quantifiable to me, I guess, which is my problem with it. I don't think, well, I think the fact, I don't know if it is or isn't quantifiable, but I think the fact that it's not quantifiable is good. Oh, it's fantastic. It's fantastic, but it just makes it even less attainable. For the common people, like me, to achieve. And then it depresses me, because I'll never be able to do that. Because that would never occur to me. To have three different cuts. Like, have two different Well, now it has occurred to you, dude. It hasn't occurred to me. They did it. (laughs) Well... They might not be the only people that have done it, right? Yeah, maybe not. Again, you've you've gone into this in-depth 
uh, study, and now now you know. I've cracked a little bit of the code, maybe, because I'm telling you, Brad, I'm making a movie this year. And you learn by doing. That's what I was going to say. There, good. Do one. I'm going to. I like that that brief scene that's self-contained within this move, this minute. We have the initial scene, the smashing, and then the board nailing, but there's a little mini scene self-contained this minute of them driving in the car. There's no dialogue. It's showing and not telling, but it says everything you need to know about how everybody's feeling, the dynamic, says a lot about all three characters. Walter and Donnie are just eating their burgers, and the dude is pissed. He's just like, he didn't even get any food. His windshield's gone. There's the air blowing, the open air sound. It sounds like wind blowing, like wind blowing through trees. And you can tell he's just stewing. And you mention it, Walter and Donnie are just kind of like, yeah, all right, got some burgers. No big deal. (sighs) But there's also something about the human element to that, right? Because you could be having a really shitty day, but then you could get some fast food burgers that hit the spot. And at that moment, things are okay. Unless your car just got all fucked up. Yeah, but their car didn't get fucked up. (laughs) Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. When the angry man rests the crowbar from Walter and goes over, I kill your fucking car. The dude's like, no, no, hey, hey, man, that's not his, no, no. And then it's just basically that guy, the underwear shoe man. He's wearing shoes with underwear. Right, yes. So first of all, I guess his shoes are by the door. He already had his pants off. And he's got his business socks on, and before he goes out the door, he put his shoes on, or he's just cruising around his home like that, in his underwear and business socks and dress shoes. I like to think he's wandering around his home in his business socks, his dress shoes, his underwear, and his shirt. Anyway, as he goes and starts beating the shit out... Go ahead, I'm sorry. I was going to say, you know, he's reclining at home. He's the king of his castle. He has these socks on. Maybe he's in the middle of getting changed, took his pants off. Over his shoes? Sees shit out of his car. No, then he has to slip his shoes on if he's going to run outside. He slips his shoes back on quick to run out to get this guy smashing his car. I don't know if he was smashing my baby. Because he says that, my baby. I might not wait to put my shoes on. I might just get out there. But as he goes to start smashing the dude's car, the dude's like, hey, that's not his car. No, no, no. And as he's bam, bam, smashing the windows and the windshield, you can hear the dude the whole time going, no, 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 no. The whole time it's underneath there. Which again, I never noticed. Yeah, well, even some of the stuff Walter says, I never noticed. Hey, hey, man. No, hey, I'm sorry. Yeah, he says, I'm sorry. Whoa, whoa, I'm sorry. Come on, man. Come on, man. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, as the angry man goes over to start beating the shit out of the car, Donnie, like, uh, he's in the back seat, isn't he? Or is he in the front? He's in the front. He moved up front to read, right? He did move up front to read. Definitely, but as he crawls out of the car, when he goes to, I guess we can't really see. You can't really no, see he, 
how he gets out of the car, but you see. But we him do on see the, lawn. the we see the front door open. No, you we, do see him get out. Yeah, the front door. Okay, opens yeah, and he yeah. He's out, in the front, but then you don't see him. But then the next time you see him, he's kind of like staggering back on staggering little Larry's lawn. Well, not little Larry's lawn. Whoever's across the street, but yeah. Wasn't it Little Larry's Lawn? I'm so confused by the geography of this scene. No, they're parked across the street. Right, 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 right. And the Corvette is right in front of Little Larry's house. Apparently they had some moments here where they were a little concerned because Walter was screaming. It's what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass out loud on a suburban street. Oh, yeah? Is this in the Bible? Yeah, it's in in the Bible that you also haven't read yet. I'll make sure I read it before (laughs) we're done. We're going to make a new section. It's called Homework. All right, there we go. Brad reads the Bible. Good. Done. Jesus curses the fig tree. Jesus, well, Noah curses the fig tree. Well, Jesus it, curses the fig tree too, no? When when does Jesus curse the fig tree? No, it doesn't curse the fig tree, but it's kind of like bring me a palm frond, son of a bitch. What's the fig tree? Cursing the fig tree is one of the miracles of Jesus in the Gospels. It doesn't take it's a miracle to in curse the a fig of tree. Mark and Matthew, but not in Luke or John. You want me to curse a fig tree? What fucking time is it? I can curse a fig tree by three o'clock. Yeah. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said, they said to, the to the tree, tree May, may no, no one ever, ever eat, eat fruit, fruit from you again. again. And his, and his disciples, disciples heard, heard him, him say, it. say it. Yeah, but you know what? Fuck them. They've been known to lie out their asses. I don't oh, trust well. anything they say. Peter denied knowing Jesus three times before the cock crowed, Brad, even though he swore he wouldn't. We probably shouldn't get into this too much. No, we don't need to. That's the next part. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. The apostles, we'll call it. It's going to be a real humdinger. Real laugh riot. I like how they frame the dude hammering the nails into the two-by-four, though. The camera is like, it's on the floor, but I swear to you that the dude is up on, like, a little pedestal, like a little shelf, because there's no way this bulky film rig is going to get down so low to shoot up at the dude's face like this. He is up. Like, he's lifted up off the floor. I guarantee you. Right, right. I see what you're saying. It's just one of those little tricks you pull so you can, like, pretend like the lens is right on, like, you, you, it's almost like a nail perspective. Right. But you could never do that with this giant, like, Panavision rig. They don't make special cameras with mirrors or something you can shoot from the ground with for shots like this? I've never seen such a thing. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it's easier just to put a little platform for the dude to stand on rather than develop an entire separate camera system. Yeah, it could be. It's like the NASA pencil or pen deal. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the simplest solution right. is the best, but sometimes not the best. Yeah. Well, as I mentioned, I was re- recently watching Crank, and they had, I noticed, um, 
I mean, I suppose I've always noticed it, but I took new notice of it, especially with my new attuned eye to some details after mm-hmm. watching Lebowski so much, mm-hmm. that there are a series of shots in uh, the car. Jason Statham is driving a car, and the shot is from the gas pedal. Interesting. And well, and you can actually tell that the shot is somewhat grainy and weird, and they had to distort it because it's just some little miniature digital camera that they like you know taped to the floor of his car or something to shoot some of these shots it's probably less than one second long um possibly it, it might be a little longer than that well it's it like john whipple rolling around half. with his iphone you know sure you can work that in right it's like if you're editing a program for broadcast that's at 1080 mm-hmm. well you can go ahead and like Okay, oh, damn it, there's a boom in the top of the shot that comes poking down in like a little turtle head from the top. Like, fuck, but I have to use this shot. Well, you can blow that up to 110%. Even an engineer wouldn't notice. You could blow it up to 120%, probably. I'm talking about scaling it, right? Mm -hmm. So you're losing resolution. And probably 95% of the viewers would never notice it. Once you go past that, though, and you, you scale it up to 130, 140, you will notice the grain and, like, the shittiness of it. Oh, yeah, you can definitely notice the grain and shittiness of it. But That's why I'm this, saying, like, you can only get away with iPhone shots right. in feature films for, like, a second or less, right. a fraction of a second. Well, well, Crank, they do so many different things where they, like, this it's very shot stylized. is, like, blown-out colors. It's very stylized. Contrast, this cranked up this one you know they use footage of google maps in it right 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 right. it's like oh it's google maps like (laughs) i don't know so yeah so i mean you know i don't think they're too concerned about that and letting these shots go a little longer and again you establish that look though like they establish that this is going to be a shit ton of stylized shots blown out desaturated oversaturated right and it switches from one to the other here and there yeah fast motion slow motion super sharp bleach bypass all that shit so it's like you can get away with it but in a regular like yes action movie or some shit exactly you can't have like the avengers and then have one shot in black and white right for example for no reason might be a little like oh yeah it's too grainy it looks better in black let's make this one shot in black and white (laughs) let's have tony stark talking to loki Loki, and every time it cuts back to robert downey jr it's been black and white but loki's in color it's no one it looks better that way is loki in that movie the avengers unless you've established this is some you know crazy ass shit i forgot loki was in that i require a horse it's my favorite line yeah, it was a good line. That was my probably my favorite line from that movie as well. Oh, me too. I was kind of on the fence with the movie up until that line. Then it was like, okay, this is funny. I appreciate it. Goes into the pet store. Boiler alert. Yes. Well, we only have birds and dogs. <laughs> Simply give me one big enough to ride. <laughs> yeah. It's good shit. And I could have given him mojo. Mojo. I love Mojo. Yeah, you just got to meet Mojo. So I thought I'd work. I got to meet Mojo. I'm there's no way that Mojo is 150 pounds. He's 170 pounds if he's 10. 
I'm telling you, man, you gotta could be, could be. You have got to please do me that favor. Reweigh him. Well, the problem is unless you take him to the vet. So here's how I have to weigh him. (laughs) I get on the scale. You can't do it. And see how much I weigh. Then I pick him up. You can't pick him up. Step on the scale. You're gonna hurt yourself. Right. Well, plus the scales do not go that high. It doesn't go that high. You know. Most scales, most like household scales max out at 330 it would seems and there's no way that between the two of you you're gonna come in you know under the cut so to speak well i know they max out at 330 because i'm there have been times i mean i'm close to that border man well you're a large man i'm a large guy six foot eight six foot eight yep i could use a six foot eight uh, eighth grader on my girls basketball team that I'm coaching, that'd be helpful. There's there's a there's a movie idea right there. We lost forty to sixteen on Saturday. Stings a little. Stings a little. I didn't notice but, until the end of the game. It's like, oh shit, we lost really bad. Damn it! I should have done that's better. Some good coaching. <laughs> some good coaching. Didn't even notice we were down by twenty four points. Well, you know, at that age, it's not about winning or losing. It's not, right? but it's better to win than to lose also. Yeah, Feels true better. Enough. True enough. It's not about that, but that is a nice little bonus that you can have. Well, there's the... Uh... It's one thing to lose by five, but to lose by 24 and a girl's 14 and under, and to have the other team lay a 40-burger on you. Yeah. Mm, that's pretty... Hmm. It's a little sour. Ah, we had fun. <laughs> we had fun. That's all that, uh, all that matters. Yeah. What were we going to say? Something. All right. Getting a little long in the tooth here. Long in the tooth. It's as if we got hung out to dry on the poop deck. Next time on Gutterball. Yeah, I'll be at practice. <laughs> <laughs>